Thank you for tuning in to the Your Edge podcast. I'm Therese Van Ryn, Global PR Director for Zebra Technologies, and I have Mike Zachman here with me today to talk about some of the greatest security challenges organizations face today as we mark Cybersecurity Month. Mike serves as Zebra's Chief Security Officer and spends his days identifying the many different types of security threats posed by internal and external sources and developing both software and strategies to help prevent and defend against those threats. I've asked Mike to join us once again on the Your Edge podcast to talk specifically about how organizations can better defend against insider threats, since this seems to be the root cause of most data security breaches today. Thank you for speaking with us again today, Mike. Well, thank you, Teresa. I'm uh, I'm excited to be here and, and excited to be helping celebrate our Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Excellent. Thank you so much. Mike, last time we spoke, you noted there are multiple strategies and tactics that companies can employ to protect against security threats. But with employee negligence quickly becoming the top cause of data breaches, I was hoping you could give us some tips on what more companies can and should be doing to lock down their devices and networks against both accidental and intentional security incidents. You're correct that people are often our biggest threat, unfortunately. Now, most often it's not because it's intentional or malicious. Actually, it's normally because people simply make mistakes. We're all human, and that happens from time to time. Unfortunately, cyber criminals use this to their advantage. Now, I often say that security is everyone's business, and I and I believe that that still remains true today. But ultimately, we know that security is the responsibility of the organization, and the organization has to lead this effort. It's akin to locking your home or your vehicle. You have to proactively protect in, in the case of companies, you have to protect your intellectual property, your valuable items. If you leave something in the open, you're making it easier for crimes of opportunity to occur. So when looking at cyber risks, I first ask myself, can I just eliminate the risk? You know, that, that seems obvious, but it's surprising how often this is not considered. Devices and networks today have many, quote, out-of-the-box capabilities. And not everyone needs all of these capabilities. So great example, if you've got a device with Bluetooth capabilities, but you don't need to use Bluetooth, disable it. So what you've now done is you've actually eliminated the risks associated with Bluetooth just by going through that process. Another example, um, Zebra printers have a feature called printer protected mode, which allows blocking users from changing key printer settings. This way, a user at the printer can't accidentally change settings that would disrupt the printer. And then another example is on our Android products where we've got our MX framework. That enables companies to lock down device settings and then control application execution so that frontline workers can't make mistakes which impact the device's security. These capabilities protect the organization from vulnerabilities, and they protect employees from either accidental or intentional um, misuse of, of their devices. Another approach I use is, can I make the secure way the easy way? We all want to get our jobs done in the easiest way that we can. And if doing my job securely is the easiest way, then guess what? I'm going to do my job securely. That's just natural. So 
it's when we make security the hard way that people will look for and people are very creative. They will find an easier way. Unfortunately, that easier way in, in those cases is typically not secure. So, for example, Zebra provides a solution where we allow the IT departments at companies to quickly and easily keep their LinkOS printer Wi-Fi certificates current. This allows the secure approach of rotating those certificates to be the easy approach. With our Android devices, we provide a secure method to implement remote control of the devices. Secure way to do remote control. Once again, allowing the easy way to be the secure way. Those are great examples. Thank you. I read that software failure was also a top contributing factor to many breaches reported in 2019. What does that mean? So it, when I read that, what I the way I interpret that is that it refers to really two different types of software failures. One is misconfigured software. And the other one is unpatched or unupdated software. The, the good thing is that both of these issues can be solved. With, with misconfigurations, it's often that out-of-the-box settings. I mentioned that earlier, that these out-of-the-box settings, they're not changed because nobody thought to check them. Um, with unpatched software, it's often because, you know, well, patching takes effort, and many companies don't prioritize that effort, so therefore it doesn't happen. So whether it's following the guidance of your provider, uh, whether it's monitoring the operating performance of your devices or, or regularly applying patches, companies need to perform this regular maintenance. Many companies find value in using a managed services provider, um, and that provider can help monitor and update devices uh, consistently. When we talk about employee negligence being the root cause of most data breaches, are we talking about IT primarily or all employees? Who would you say ultimately bears the responsibility for an organization's security, in your opinion? Well, as I mentioned earlier, I, I believe security is everyone's business. Um, so in a secure organization, everyone takes personal responsibility for security. Now, practically speaking, however, the different roles have different ability to impact security. You know, frontline workers, they need to follow their standard operating procedures and not try to bypass security controls. That's one of the best ways that they can help a company achieve its security goals. Now, some departments are a little bit more riskier. Um, for example, people in finance that actually deal with um, money transactions have to be extremely vigilant. They can be targeted because they have access to do financial transactions. People in HR with access to personal data must also be very vigilant. They can be also be targeted because cyber criminals want the personal information that these people in HR have access to. Now, when you get out of the front line, though, leadership also has a, a key role. Leadership needs to set a good example for their teams. Now, they should reinforce the need to follow procedures, uh, to, to work securely, and they need to hold violators accountable. Now, IT obviously needs to provide good, secure devices and networks. So, you know, IT's got to provide the foundation of a, of a good, secure system. They have to ensure proper device configuration, and they have to make sure devices and softwares are updated, just like we talked in the last 
question. Everyone, however, needs to use common sense. Simple things. Don't share your passwords. Report problems. Protect your devices. You get the idea. Sure. Absolutely. Mike, how should companies build and test their cybersecurity incident response plans? <laughs> I, I I say early and often. Um, <laughs> You know, the time to define your response is not during the incident. You know, just like fire safety uh, at at companies, you, you, it involves a predetermined escape route and the execution of drills. And you don't want the first time you decide how are we going to evacuate a building to be when there's a fire. And the same thing with cybersecurity. Incident response plans need to be they need to be well planned. Uh, they need to be documented. They need to be written down. They need to be regularly updated and regularly tested. Mm-hmm. Sounds like preparation is key there. Very much. Mm-hmm. How often should organizations be updating their security policies? And what would you say are the top three things companies should look for when it comes to ensuring that their security policies are robust enough to deal with the change that the pandemic brings? Well, there's no magic answer to how often, but the, the way I try to, to, to do it is, at a minimum, companies should review their policies whenever there's a significant change to the company, like, say, for like an acquisition, or there's a significant change in the environment, for example, COVID-19. Otherwise, policies should be reviewed on some sort of a scheduled regular basis and typically annual is what a lot of companies will do. Now, when I think about policy, security policies, um, uh, there are really three things, especially as it relates to COVID-19 and the pandemic. There's really three key areas. One is remote access. We, we know a lot of our employees are, you know, con- conducting their jobs remotely these days. So do our policies and procedures securely support this work of working outside the company network. Another one is identity management, and this is, or or sometimes people call it access control. Who has access to what applications? Do they need that access? So monitoring and reviewing who has access to what is a key policy. And then the third one I would bring up is vulnerability management. you know, it ties back into some of the earlier discussions we were just having, but this is about patching and configuration management. And even though people are scattered, are we still making sure that their laptops and their devices are patched and regularly and properly configured uh, to be operating securely? Sure. Based on your experience, Mike, what's the best way to communicate these policy changes to employees to ensure compliance? Uh, you have to. My experience has been you have to you have to communicate often and in multiple ways. So use multiple communication channels. You know, we, use your intranet, use emails, use blogs, use all hands meetings. Um, there needs to be a regular cadence to communication. Um, you, you can't just speak at once and be done. Um, you have to repeat things. Uh, when training is, is, is needed, I, I like to provide it with what, you know, kind of in quotes, bite-sized training. So rather than s- sending someone to a class for an hour, you know, if we can provide five, ten, maybe even fifteen minute, uh, 
you know, consumable chunks of training. Uh, that can be very effective. And, and regardless how you're, you're communicating it, be sure to include the why. You know, explain what the risk is, explain what the employee's role is, and why that's so important. I, I think in many times, people are actually surprised at, at the level of the risk and or the amount of power they have in terms of mitigating that risk. So explain that almost any employee that could be the person who prevents a breach or makes it easier to have a breach. Makes a lot of sense. Mike, with so many people working remotely right now, I'm sure there's heightened concern about device and system vulnerability. The Internet has essentially become the corporate network, except people are using their personal Internet service and possibly even personal devices to access company systems. Laptops may be sitting out exposed inside homes, and workers may overlook emails about new security policies or neglect to update their settings as frequently as they did when in an office setting. What can organizations do right now to help mitigate security risks, and how can employees working from home better protect their corporate-owned devices and corporate data? Uh, I hope we've got another couple hours we can talk about. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll try and keep it keep it crisp. So, yeah, all all these things are happening, and and so my advice is is like this: Number one, use the corporate devices you're provided whenever possible. That's number one. Number two, whenever possible, use multi-factor authentication. Uh, Zebra recently provided, um, I shouldn't say recently, shoot, it's been six months ago, um, when COVID started, we provided employees with a guide. You know, it's called How to Access Zebra Services When Working Remotely. Mm A lot of good information in there based upon, you know, what you needed to access and the best way to do it. Make sure your home network is secure. Um, I can't do that for you. You have to do that for you. Now, we've prov- also provided our Zebra employees with several resources uh, from everything from Department of Homeland Security at, at, to the FBI, where there are a lot of good guides on how to make your home network secure. I ask people, store company data properly. You know, don't store company data on your personal devices don't don't store it in your personal cloud service um, mm-hmm. you, use the zebra provided use the one drives and the sharepoints use teams um, use your uh, zebra devices to store the data um, use the IT collaboration tools that are available to us um, We've we've got a I think a pretty good set of of tools, be it Zoom, be it Teams, uh, be it SharePoint, uh, that allow us to collaborate very effectively. Use those. Don't try to work around them. Uh, you know, when you're not in the office, preferably work at home. Don't don't go to Starbucks and sit. Don't go to public places and sit. Doesn't mean you can't but the preference is to work at home. If you do work in a public place, I really say don't use the public Wi-Fi. Use the hotspot on your phone if you can. 
watch out for those intruding eyes that might be looking over your shoulder at what you're doing. Keep your conversations private, right? You don't know who's listening. Never use public computers to access your work accounts. And have a, have your own battery backup. Um, avoid public charging stations. I, I hate to have to say these type of things, but you know, it's, unfortunately, it's another common, um, uh, hack is that when you plug into these USB public charging stations, there's a device installed behind there that's going to potentially try and put malware on your computer or your, your phone. So, you know, use those portable battery packs if you can. And I could go on and on and on, but it does get overwhelming, doesn't it? It does. It just tells us to be careful. And if you're, uh, if you're a Starbucks fan like me, go through the drive-through, get your coffee and take it home and then work, right? Very good. That's, I love it. <laughs> I'm a quick learner. <laughs> How can organizations test their security capabilities and strength? So the, a good security program includes a lot of testing uh, to ensure security. Um, you can do internal tests. You often hear it called red teams, um, and we do that here at Zebra. You you should use external third parties to test. Um, the, those those people can you know behave like a hacker does, and they can help you find find problems. Hopefully before the cyber criminals do. So, you know, I guess my my response to this is, you, it's kind of early and often again. Like I said mm-hmm. before, testing is very important. Does Zebra conduct security assessments? Ab- absolutely. Yeah, we have. We have several types of ongoing tests and assessments for both our products, our solutions, and our own internal networks. Um, I mentioned red teams. These are internal resources that are either part of my team or somebody else's team here within Zebra that uh, perform tests. We use trusted third parties. Um, we, we even use crowdsourcing now. There are there are um, you know formalized crowdsource ethical hackers that, um, you know, you pay bounties to. And, you know, if they find a problem and you confirm that, yep, that's something we didn't know about, based upon how severe the problem is, we we pay them, uh, uh, we pay them money. Interesting. What else is Zebra doing to protect its customers in this new work environment? We've got, there's a lot of principles and approaches that, that Zebra takes. So, you know, we believe when you add a new device or solution to your network, you should expect great performance and you shouldn't have to worry about security. So it's our belief you can rely on Zebra products and services and solutions to be secure without compromising performance. We take our role in securing our customers very seriously uh, because you know, guarding against security vulnerabilities requires a proactive approach and multiple layers of protection and we think we're part of that. You know, when when you look around Zebra, I really do believe you can see our commitment to security in action. It's visible on our team of security professionals within our security framework, our design and our development teams, that you know, th- these folks are working on a whole portfolio of solutions with secure development practices in mind. Our, we've got a supply chain practice that, 
embed security in it, and an assurance of ongoing preventative updates and customer alerts that we send out regarding our products to make sure that they stay as secure as what we we feel that they are. We we also focus on security that's we you know we feel security should be easy to deploy. And it should be seamless to the frontline workers. It shouldn't be a burden to those frontline workers. Zebra, for, uh, Zebra provides flexibility and features that can be configured to ensure both security and productivity. Our commitment is to engineer smart, configurable devices, solutions, and services. And these this allows you to balance operational and security objectives in real time in the real world. Finally, the, you know, your needs and challenges are, our, our customers' needs and challenges are important to us. Um, that's, that's how we do what we do. Uh, mm-hmm. We feel our customers can count on us to deliver secure solutions that won't hinder performance or productivity. We try to provide that peace of mind to help our customers implement their business and technology strategies at the edge of where they're doing business. It, it's, and ultimately it's not about, it is about what we do, not what we say. Um, right. So I, I think customers will agree that Zebra's commitment to security is real. Mm-hmm. Mike, during the COVID-19 pandemic, we have seen retailers increasingly invest in connected devices and personal shopping solutions to address social distancing. However, these solutions rely on the collection of personal data to deliver benefits to shoppers and even retailers. As the connected ecosystem expands, how must it address security issues to minimize the risk of data breaches? So, you know, with self-scanning technology, like you mentioned, customers are able to upload their personal information into the retailer's self-scanning application and find it when using the device which this really makes the, the shopping experience more personal. Now, to avoid security issues, the, you know, the retailers really need to take a privacy-by-design approach. That means that all the privacy protocols required when handling personal data, things like encryption and, and, and data housing locations, are included from the very beginning of their solution development, and it's not an afterthought for their deployment. So if we look closer, or if, if yeah, if, if you were to look closer at how a retailer is making their customer data secure, there's a distinct separation between the retailer and the customer data. So retailers will will be tracking and monitoring the physical device and not the data that's housed on it. Now, once that data is uploaded, retailers need to make sure the mechanisms are there so that if the customer chooses to delete that data about themselves, I think I'd mentioned before this right to be forgotten, they can mm-hmm. do so. Right? Now, customer data can't be saved in plain text because so in other words, customer data needs to be encrypted. Um, because right, encryption the intention of encryption is that even if the data is lost, it's not usable by anyone. Gotcha. Can you explain why privacy by design is so important? Can you expand on that for us and how all organizations can up can set that up? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, to define a privacy by design, some, an approach 
to application development that it builds risk thinking in from the very beginning. So whether it's having the right processes in place, the right systems in place, or the right people in place, uh, instilling a privacy-first approach when it comes to customer data is absolutely critical. Now, any business handling customer data needs to take a proactive approach to data security, and they really need to treat the privacy of that customer data in the same way that they would treat their own highly confidential business data. And the key with privacy by design is, in fact, that you're you're thinking about this from the des- for as as it says when you're designing it not as an afterthought when you've already developed the system and you want to say, okay, now, you know, is the customer data secure? For for retailers in particular, you know, the practicalities of this means that you got to require customers to opt in by choice if they want a retailer to use their data. They need to make sure the customer has complete transparency of where and how their data is being used. Uh, they need to minimize the customer data collected to only those pieces of data that are required for the business purpose that the customers agreed to. And of course, they need this, the whole system needs to be, uh, running on a, on a strong cyber secure environment. Mm-hmm. Now in warehousing and distribution environments, RFID, Bluetooth, low energy, ultra wideband, Wi-Fi, and sensor technologies are managing critical information in real time. How can organizations ensure these systems are secured? So encryption, 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 using encrypted communications over any type of wireless uh, is, a, is an absolute must. And then it's not just any encryption. It's got to be, you know, suitable encryption. There, there is such thing as weak encryption. So they've got to ensure that encryption keys meet or exceed requirements. Uh, they should disable the use of any peer-to-peer wireless networks unless it's absolutely necessary. Uh, you should consider using a wireless intrusion detection system. Uh, that can help detect any sort of unauthorized, unusual traffic over that, over those uh, wireless um, over those wireless mechanisms. And, and of course, you need to lock down these devices to only connect to known trusted networks. Here's where the use of certificates uh, can really help manage that risk. Mm-hmm. We've, tra- we've talked previously, Mike, about MotionWorks proximity as a compelling solution for ensuring safety in the workplace. However, it's dealing with employee information, and I'm curious, how is Zebra ensuring the protection of this sensitive data? You know, we follow our own advice, that's that's for sure. So the data is anonymous to the MotionWorks proximity solution, the, 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 the customer data, if you will. The ability to associate the data of the user, uh, the data to a user, is controlled completely by the customer of, of the solution. Zebra has no ability to do that. Uh, data that's stored on the device and while it's in transit is encrypted. So this reduces the risk of any unauthorized access or stealing of the data. Uh, data is purged from the device after it's been transmitted up to the system. So you don't, you know, if you, we don't need the data anymore, get rid of it. 
the data storage containers that our applications use are hardened to industry best practices. They've got security testing performed on a regular basis, uh, and they're continuously being examined for potential vulnerabilities. And, and finally, the, the whole solution has undergoes rigorous security testing throughout its development to ensure that security is, in quotes, shifted left, so at the early in the process, and that vulnerabilities are caught early on and remediated. Mm-hmm. One other topic that I know we've talked about before, Mike, but it's definitely worth repeating. Can you tell us again about some of the ways Zebra is working to help customers secure systems and devices? Absolutely. So Zebra's become a market leader in safeguarding mobile devices used on the front line of many sectors. So our, our Android-based products are updated via Zebra One Care Service, and that includes LifeGuard for Android. This, this provides Android operating system security updates for up to 10 years. So, and that allows customers to keep the devices and the data on those devices safe from new and emerging threats throughout that 10-year life. In addition to this, we've hardened the Android OS for enterprise use with Zebra Mobility extensions, giving our customers flexibility to install security and setting updates both locally or remotely via an Enterprise Mobility Management System, or an EMM. Finally, the the LifeGuard Analytics and Update Dashboard, using that, it's easy to see all of the customers, their, all, for a customer, it's easy for them to see all their deployed devices, the current OS versions, security update levels, and whether or not they're missing any of these updates. All of that on a single dashboard. Excellent. Mike, we really appreciate you joining us once again to share your expert insights and guidance. I'm sure our listeners will find these recommendations very valuable as they work to secure their organization's devices and systems against security breaches. Thank you, Mike. You're quite welcome. It's been my pleasure. And thank you to our audience for tuning in to today's episode of the Your Edge podcast. You can catch up on other recent security discussions with Mike on the Your Edge blog located on Zebra's website. And you can subscribe to both the podcast and the Your Edge blog for biweekly email roundups of our latest discussions. I'm Therese Van Ryan, signing off until next time.